0: All right, good morning. We are going to be in the book of Acts again this week, Acts chapter 3. And we're going to be talking um, really about a kind of an interesting thing today. As you can see, title of the message is Who Gets the Glory? So you can probably guess on, on what we're going to speak about. But we're really going to talk about um, ourselves in relationship to Christ In the midst of attention, attention, the attention that we get, the the attention we want, the the attention that, that we have, and how do we steward that for the Lord? So before we get into this, Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 21, I want to open us up with prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning, Lord. We thank you for this time to be together, to worship together at this church, Lord. We thank you for your word. Lord, and we ask that as we open your word, that you would just open our minds and our hearts to receive it with joyful obedience, Father God. And Lord God, we just humble ourselves before you. We acknowledge that you are the king of this kingdom, that you are the pastor of this church, Jesus. And so we ask that you would just have your way in our hearts in this place. And whatever you want to speak, Holy Spirit, speak. So we thank you and honor you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, Acts chapter 3. So uh, just a little bit of a backstory. Last week, we looked at um, the early church. We looked at the culture, the kingdom culture that they experienced when the Holy Spirit first fell on God's people, when the church really was birthed. And, of course, in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost comes, the Holy Spirit is poured out. The, uh, the apostles begin to speak and glorify God, and they're heard in every language of the Jews that are there visiting. And there's such, an, such amazement that as Peter stands up and preaches Christ— and how that this Jesus was the promised Messiah whom they had killed, they were cut to the heart and they were convicted and they said, what do we need to do? And so Peter says, repent and be baptized every one of you for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that's what happened. 3,000 people came to Christ that day. And it was this completely life-changing event where suddenly they were all together in one community, they had everything in common, they ate together, they worshiped together, they prayed together, um, they fellowshiped, they were in the word together, and just allowing the life of Jesus Christ to unfold in their midst. But you know, for the apostles, it was new for them too. It was new for them too. They, they had been with Jesus physically, but now there is this new experience where the king of the universe was in them. Everywhere they went, they were empowered by the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead. And so they were experiencing this in a new way, but that last statement Jesus had left to them in the Great Commission, which is to go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all of my commandments. They were just learning to walk that out. And so just as everyone else's lives were were being changed, so was Peter's, so was John's. And they were walking through a time where they were having to learn what does it mean to be faithful to this calling? What does it mean to stewardship or to steward well the, the spirit of Christ that had been given to them, right? And what is this life gonna look like, okay? And if any of you have ever taken a step of faith, Uh, there's something that tends to happen almost immediately after or around that same time, which is all these tests, trials, temptations come and Satan tries to kind of just clip you at the knees, right? And tries to take you out of that. And I want to show you today (laughs) um, some very real temptations or some very real tests that, that Peter actually walked through that you might not have even been aware of. But I think that when I identify them, uh, it's, it's going to be important for you because you're going to realize, man, these are the same temptations, same trials that we go through as believers, okay? So in Acts chapter 3, right after this event of the, the Holy Spirit uh, falling out, thousands of being baptized, being together, it says in Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Let me get out of the way of the screen for a minute while I read Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asks for alms. So he's asking asking for money, basically. Um, And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave him his attention. Expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, All the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has been given him, or has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. We're just gonna pause there. So you might be thinking, well, Darren, I don't see a lot of tests and trials in there. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. But I wanna, before we get into this, I wanna pull you back to something Jesus said in Matthew chapter five. And Matthew chapter five is one of my, my favorite chapters of the Bible. Um, And in Matthew chapter five, verse 16, Jesus says this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. And so you know what, you know what Jesus said right before this that correlates with this, that you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. That's a pretty big deal. Now we know John says that light came into the world, that Jesus Christ, the word of God, was the light of man. And now that light is in us. And there's a testimony in us because of Jesus Christ that regardless of your occupation, regardless of what you feel called to or gifted with, that you have to steward. And I want to I want to talk about what it means to be a light for a second. Actually, I just want to talk about the attributes of light. So being a light it, it kind of causes two things, okay? First of all, I want you to imagine you're you're in a dark room, okay? It's really early in the morning, you're awake, but you're not really awake and you're trying to like snuggle the pillow for just another like 10 minutes because you really don't want to get out of bed, even though you have to, right? And it's just dark, and it's cool, and it's comfy. And right as you peek one eye open, boom, someone slams the lights on. Man, that'll get your attention, right? I want you to think about if you're walking out in the woods, and it's a dark night, and you're looking up at the stars, and all of a sudden just a light appears out of nowhere in the woods. Is that gonna catch your attention? Absolutely. When light enters darkness, it's, it draws. There is an intention aspect to that intentionally. And typically for us, when, when we're in darkness and light comes on, there's two things that happens. Either we're drawn to it or we're repulsed by it. <laughs> you know, And that's a whole other sermon. But light attracts attention, okay? And the second aspect is it, it bears a question. Again, if you're walking around late at night and a light comes on in the woods, you're automatically processing, well, what is that? Where did that come from? Why is there a light on? What's going on over there? Right? And there are these questions automatically that happen. And, and really, um, anytime we have somebody's attention, attention begs a response. Okay? So I want you just to think about that for a second. That's just totally outside of the Christian realm, that that's just the truth, right? If, if, if uh, <laughs> you know, someone comes and they sit down on a chair next to you and they're just staring at you and they're giving you their attention, why? It's because they're, they're wanting a response. There's, some, there's a question in there that we're supposed to fulfill. So Jesus uh, said that we are the light of the world and that we're supposed to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven, Okay, Jesus intentionally made us objects, people, things that that are supposed to grab the attention of the people around us. There's supposed to be something in us in the life of Christ that people just have to kind of do a double take at, right, and wonder what is going on. What do you mean by what you just said? What do you mean you're not gonna go party with us? What do you mean you don't drink anymore? What do you mean you don't sleep with your girlfriend? What do you mean not everybody goes to heaven, right? There's an aspect, an element of this light, which is truth in us, that is supposed to kind of dumbfound people and leave them open to to questions. And it's that process of attention and answer that we have to steward well. But in the midst of that, there's a temptation, right? And it comes down to this question. When we receive attention, when we have people's focus, when people are ooh and awed by something God is doing or, or maybe, maybe something that you've done that's in the name of, it's supposed to be in the name of Jesus, who gets the glory in those encounters? Is it you or is it the Lord? So I want to look at Peter's walk for a second. I want you to notice this again in chapter three. Let me go back. Peter and John are going to the temple at the hour of prayer. Now I want you to understand something. These guys just had the most radical life change possible. Okay. They are not just casually strolling up to the temple for tea time. Okay, they're not going to go pray and play bingo. They are there for a purpose. The Spirit of God just came upon them. Thousands of people just got saved. They're eating and drinking, and they're they're being a part of this new uh, community. The the promises of Jesus have been fulfilled in their life. They're understanding that the Old Testament scriptures are being fulfilled right in front of their eyes. They are not casually strolling up to the temple. They are going with intents. Okay? They're going looking for opportunity, yes, to praise the Lord, but opportunity to shine that light. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, uh, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask for alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Pause right there. Now, this is beautiful because this is not some sort of super spiritual moment, right? Peter didn't, doesn't have this guy's attention because he just, you know, preached a fabulous sermon. He was, he's not a great worship leader, right, singing, you know, Hillsong up there. He, the, he has this guy's attention because the guy is poor and just wants money, And that's not a bad thing, you know. He's asking for alms. He's asking for, for provision. But Peter looks at that man, and he looks at this opportunity that is before him, where he has somebody's attention, and he makes a decision to use it to glorify God. And it's interesting if we look at this. This is this is really a seemingly insignificant event. Peter could have responded in a lot of different ways. He could have not responded at all. He could have been okay, hey, well, here's some change. You know, have have a nice day. Thank you. Who got the glory in that? Not the Lord. He could have ignored him and kept walking, hey, I don't got time. You know, someone else will give you some money. Well, who gets the glory in that? Not the Lord. But you see, he had this man's attention and he took advantage of the opportunity to be faithful to the light that Jesus had put inside of him. And he says, hey man, look at me. He's already kind of got his attention. He said, no, 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 really. Give me your attention for for a second. I know you're asking for money. I don't have any money, sorry. I don't have silver or gold, but here's what I have. Or I do have something and what I do have, I give you freely in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. He hasn't even introduced himself. This guy doesn't even know Peter's name. But in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And as he grabs that man's hand, and as he begins to stand, it says that his ankles and his bones are strengthened, and suddenly he can walk, and he can leap, and he can praise. And so this man who has just been healed, having no idea who, this, who Peter is, doesn't know anything about Christianity, right? Probably would have had no interest if you would have said, hey, do you want to talk about Jesus or do you want me just to give you money? What do you think he would have said? I'll take the money. <laughs> Probably, right? Do you want to have a spiritual conversation? Are you okay for that right now? Probably wasn't interested, but you know what? Peter knew that that man needed something greater, something that was going to be etern- of eternal value that was going to go far beyond a couple of coins he could have thrown in his cup. And by the grace of God... Peter offering him something eternal, you know what it ended up doing? It actually solved the temporary. Peter giving him Christ not only addresses this man's eternal need, it addressed his physical condition. He was healed. And we've seen seen several people healed in this church. Right? But then something happens. So if we had two lighters here, and I lit one, with my right hand, one with my left hand. And we have two small f- flames. What happens when I put those flames together? I say that again. It gets bigger. It becomes a bigger flame, right? There's more light, there's more heat. And so what happens is when Peter takes this one little step of faith, where he takes the one opportunity that was just in front of him and he chose to use it to glorify God suddenly this man is leaping and running. And now everybody in the temple is seeing and hearing this man glorify God. And they're bewildered. They're like, what's going on? And it says, and then they realized this is the man that has been lame outside the gate. His whole life, he's been there every day, his whole life. This guy was like, you know, we know where Whataburger is. We drive past it every day. If tomorrow it wasn't there, we would be shocked, <laughs> okay? This guy was there every day, and suddenly he's jumping, and, he, and, and they're like, what's going on? And he's glorifying God that he has been healed, okay? And suddenly that attention is getting bigger. And then when we go down to... Um, Let's see, verse, I'm sorry. Verse 13, I'm sorry, verse 11. It says, now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. Pause, we'll look at that response in just a second. I want you to notice this. Who healed that man? Jesus. Was it Peter or Jesus? It was Jesus. Was it in Peter's name or was it in Jesus' name? It was in Jesus' name. They don't even know who Peter is yet. Peter hasn't, still hasn't introduced himself. But when something so amazing happens, when something, something supernatural happens, you know the only person they see is Peter. And so what's happening is this man is clinging to Peter. And the people are, are surrounding Peter and they're surrounding John. And all of this wonder and amazement, you know who it's being directed towards? Peter and John. Do they, do they hear, it? oh, the Lord did this? Yeah. Is, are they, is the man glorifying God? Yeah. But you know who they're really looking for? You know who the man is clinging to? Peter and John. Guys, there is something in us. There is something in the wickedness of the human flesh who loves that. We love it for people to cling to us. We love it for people to to give us attention. For people to look at us like somehow we are the source or the object of affection or that we have an answer or that we have something to give. When people come to us, there's something that's very fulfilling to our flesh. And you know what pride does? at the baseline sense, it takes the glory that belongs to God and it attributes it to self. And so even though it's not written blatantly there, what's really happening is Peter is walking through a test, a trial, a temptation. There was a, he could have easily accepted whatever attention, whatever applause, whatever wonder for himself. And even if Peter wasn't going to ask for it, even if he like, oh, look what I did. You know what he could have also done? He could have just said, not said anything and received it, and that would have been just as bad. But, but Peter sees this. He sees the crowds coming in. He's, he's got the man clinging to him. And look at how he responds. I keep losing my place. I'm using a different Bible than I normally do. Forgive me. Um, Thank you. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us? Why do you look at us as though by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? He's not even just saying, look, I have no power in myself. He's also saying, this has nothing to do with me, my godliness, my standing, my ability. This is not, why are you looking at me? If you're looking at me, your eyes are fixed in the wrong direction, right? We could not make this man walk. Our godliness did not make this man walk. He is not healed because I am righteous. He's healed because of the name of, faith in the name of Jesus. And he says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. And down in verse 16, and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of him all of you all. And so there's this, there's this moment here where as this attention is building, there are these questions and these responses and they're growing and growing. And if we go all the way back, there was a man who gave him just a little bit of attention because he just wanted money and he used it to do what? To glorify God. And that light in Peter, the truth of Christ in Peter touched this man and that man became a light and it grew and suddenly he begins to praise God and the attention grows and now the whole crowd is looking at him. Now there's even more attention and there's more questions. Who is this? How did this happen? What is going on? Who is this man, Peter? Who is this man, John? How did they do this? And for us, if we were in that position, I dare say it might be a difficult position to be in for a lot of people. It might be a very appealing situation to be in. All eyes are on me. All eyes are on me. But Peter did not cling to that for one second. Jesus said, Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men. Yeah, they they need to see the glory of God. They need to hear the truth of Christ. They need to see God's power moving through people's life. Let your light so shine. Nobody lights a lamp and hides it under a basket. That would be insane. And I'm pretty sure basket lamps back then were made of fire and probably burned down. So that's kind of a weird thing anyways. But no, they put it on the lampstand so it gives light to everyone in the house. But in 5.16, it says, so that they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify your father in heaven. Now, let me ask you something. When you do a good deed, when you buy a pizza for a homeless man and take your selfie with him, Put it on Instagram. When you give your tithe, when you lead a Bible study, when you share your faith and someone accepts Christ, when you do your first baptism, how much of the glory, and that's a glorious thing, those are all glorious things. When you just live a pure life for Christ and quietness and faithfulness, that's a glorious thing, because the rest of the world ain't doing that. (laughs) How much of that glory belongs to the Lord? All of it. All of it. So when I step in the way and just soak it up, who am I stealing from? The Lord. Who gets the glory? And Peter understood this. You see, Peter was on a mission, like I said. Peter and John had been touched by God in such a way that there was no going back. And that commission, that call that Christ had put on their life, now shaped their thoughts, their vision, their heart about everything they did, about every relationship they had. It was now looked at through the lens of who Christ is and what he had done for them and what he was calling them to do for others. Is that the way you view your life? Have you experienced the touch of Christ? that was so real, it changed something in you? Because if, if so, if so, that light in us is not for us. It's not to have a really well-lit basket. It's so that as we shine the light of Christ, other people in darkness, it catches their attention and some of them will flee from it and some of them will be drawn to it. And as people are drawn to it, you know who they're going to be drawn to first? The person they can see, you. And in all of those moments, at every applause, at every thank you, at every opportunity, at every event, at every leadership, whatever, there is a temptation that you are going to be faced with on who gets the glory. And how much of it are you going to just... I'm just going to take that little pinch right there for myself. And as this attention builds, the questions build, Peter saw what was happening. And he made the choice to glorify Jesus. And then every step along the way, he's taking the opportunity of the relationships that he has. He's taking opportunities of the moments that are placed in front of him. He had no idea this is how today was going to go. He wasn't like, hey, John, you ready to go heal somebody today? <laughs> it's going to be cool. No. He was going up to the temple to pray to the Lord, and God placed something in front of him, and he decided to be a good steward of that. And it says again in verse 16, and in his name through faith in his name, he has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has uh, given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, talking about rejecting Christ, as did also your rulers, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. Sorry, I actually one actually, uh, one verse over. And so he's got these people coming in around him he's got a man clinging to him and not only could have he accepted all that attention but he could have man he could have really really gloried in that oh man these people need me oh man these people yeah yeah the the lord did of course all the lord it was all the lord you know oh it wasn't me it was just god's power but you know it was kind of me too There's something satisfying about feeling like you're the person that someone's hope comes from, that someone's answer comes from, that somehow they need you. That is the religion of Satan because it's the religion of self. That is idolatry. Our job is to shine a light, to build relationships, and to love people so incredibly well that when their eyes and their hearts are opened to us and to the truth of Christ, we point them, that vision that's so focused on it, right off of us and right onto him. Being a disciple maker means teaching other people that the sufficiency That the source of their life, of their health, of their needs, of those issues that exist in their heart, the source of that healing and provision is only and always in the name of Christ Jesus. Always, only in the name of Christ Jesus. As a pastor, the best thing I can do for anybody is not stand up here and preach a great sermon. But it's to teach you at every moment, at every struggle, at every new uh, fork in the road, that I am not the one who has the answer. I can help maybe a little bit, but that Jesus is is the one. And if you look to him, not come to me and let me pray for you because I look to him. No, if you look to him, if you trust him, if you surrender to him, times of refreshing will come from the Holy Spirit and he will be your shepherd, not me, not me. There's a reason why at the beginning of every service, I pray, Lord, let us humble our hearts and acknowledge that you are the king of this kingdom and you are the pastor of this church because the best thing I can be is a servant to that, amen? So I want you to consider that. What are the opportunities in your life that God is placing before you? What are the relationships in your life that God is placing before you? Where are those places where people are looking at you and you have an opportunity to glorify God, but you've either, maybe just you just missed it. Maybe you just walked on by. Or maybe you've actually been taking some of that glory, some of that attention, for yourself. And instead of giving them the answer they need, which is in Christ, you're giving them an answer that will never satisfy. Let's pray today, and let's ask the Lord to just help us humble our hearts and remove anything of us that gets in the way of his glory, and to help us see and take the opportunities that he puts before us this week. Amen? Father God, we just thank you so much for this morning. We thank you, Father God, that from cover to cover, from beginning to end, all things are created for your glory. That, Lord, at the end of the age, you will stand and every knee will bow, Father God. Every tongue will confess, Lord. And there will be not one, not one who can say, look what I've done. And so, Father, we pray that you would just help us to cast our crowns now, Lord, at your feet, to understand that you're worthy. You're the only one worthy, Father. And that everything is from you and for you, Father, and to help us to even be good stewards, to see things in a new way, to see people in a new way, to see opportunities in a new way. Not just so that we're not stealing your glory, but that we're being intentional, that we're being on mission for opportunities to give you the glory that you deserve, that Christ might be preached to every nation, and to all people. And, pray, uh, and and Lord, we pray that you would just help us and strengthen us to have a heart that only sees you, Father, that we would be transparent, that you might receive the praise as due. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.